my name is Abby, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message from the church. We pray that you are highly blessed and encouraged. We would love to connect with you more at our website at www.thechurchokc.com. Amen. Amen. Lord, you are great. We just declare that tonight. Speak to us tonight from your word. Move in us tonight, Lord. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor here. I want to welcome you one, one more time. Man, we're just so glad that you guys are here. We're going to baptize here in just a few minutes. And you can turn me down just a little bit. Not too much. Um, but, uh, man, God wants to speak to us tonight. And, and we're working on the building. We were going to originally try to be in the building this weekend. But, you know, things happen. And uh, so we're still working on it. We are going to have a work day tomorrow. But I'll get... To that a little bit later, um, but man, God is moving in our midst, and can I tell you, it doesn't matter where we show up. The Bible says if two or more gather together and agree upon anything, God's there in the midst, and and uh, I, I'm I'm thankful that God's presence is not contained anymore in a box. It's not contained behind a tent in a tent. It's not uh, contained behind a wall, but it's freely there through Christ Jesus, and. And so we're kind of in this series called um, Life Verse and uh, Life Verses. And basically, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about Matthew chapter 6, where it talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And, and, and the fact that we don't have to get real complicated, we don't have to try to get too deep, because the things of the gospel, the things that, that, that envelop our life are pretty simple and God's made it pretty simple for us. And, and tonight I'm... I'm excited because there's been a verse that I've lived by that's kind of been my life verse since I was at college. And it's really, it was since my first day at college. And, and the reason that this verse spoke so much to me, and it's found in Romans chapter 8. And if you want to turn there, we'll be there in just a second. But I remember my, my, my first day of college. And normally what they do is they have one of the older students, you know, one of the upperclassmen, they'll... They'll take a group of kids of the freshmen, you know, 17, 18-year-olds that have no clue of what college is going to be like. And they show us around and show us where the classrooms are and, you know, where the cafeteria is and all that kind of stuff. And, and I had the opportunity, the privilege of going to a, a, a faith-based college, you know, a, a Christian college. And, and so it, pretty much those students that were there and that were t taking us around were Christians. And this one girl, she was telling me, she was telling us about... Uh, a story that happened to her a couple years before at the college. And, and so she is leading us around and she's telling us a story about how she had went to this party. And uh, um, yeah, it wasn't the best party. It wasn't the type of party that a good little Christian girl should be going to, but she went there. And um, some things happened that night. And she said that this verse really spoke out to her, and it's Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that those who love God, um, for those that love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And some things, like I said, happened at that party. But she said God really laid that verse on her heart and spoke to her about this verse. And this is what she said that God spoke to her. Said it doesn't matter if it's the good things that happen in your life. It doesn't matter if it's the bad things. It doesn't matter if somebody's done something against you and wronged you. It doesn't matter if you've done everything right or if you've ever done everything wrong. Or if you've made some really boneheaded dumb decisions. God can still take all that 
and work that together for your good. And that, she said that just enveloped my life. And I was like, that's really good. I'm going to steal that. And so I did. And so that's my verse. And, and I, I can tell you that, that in my life, you know, I've had a great life and I've been blessed with a great family and, and a beautiful, incredible wife. Brownie points. Um, wow, that worked really well. <laughs> One compliment, and she's bringing me. She's bringing me some water to drink. Thanks, babe. Um, but regardless of, of of how good and how great my life is, you know, I still have times when I have those ups and I have those downs and I have those valleys and and when things aren't going well. And and you know, a few years ago, my sister was killed in a car accident, and I remember they had metaflighted her here to Oklahoma City, and you know they basically said that she wasn't going to recover and they had her on life support and we all went in and and um, kind of had our, our, our time with her and I, I remember sitting there next to her bed and and I had some other things happen in life and obviously nothing is as, as bad as this and I just remember sitting there and, and, and just telling God and crying next to her bed and just telling God saying God I don't understand why you're allowing all this to happen you know, because I, I, I've been raised as a Christian, and, and the one thing I know, and the one thing that, that you feel like as a Christian is that God has a plan, and God has a purpose, so you don't get mad at God, you don't question God. Okay, that's kind of what we feel like. That's not true, but that's what we feel like. Um, God's big enough for our questions, and God's big enough for us to get mad, and get upset, and get angry, and I realize that now, but at that moment, in that room, I just remember crying, saying, God, I don't understand why. But I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to trust you through this. And, and I come back to this verse. And, you know, I really feel like that could have been something that the enemy meant to kind of separate me from God. But what I know is that for those that love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And as I've counseled people and talked with people, this is the thing that I come back to. You know, they're struggling, they're saying, you know, I believe in God, I love God, and all that kind of stuff, and, but things are still happening, and, and I, I just don't know, and I'm like, let me ask you two questions. Do you love God? Well, yes, yes, I love God. Do you believe God has a call and a purpose for you? You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Okay. If you love God, and you know he has a call, a purpose for your life, then can I tell you that all things out together for the good and it's so simple and you're like brian that sounds great but in my life right now i'm not feeling that the amplified puts that verse like this romans 8 28 we are assured and know that god being a partner in their labor all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Man, that's good. You know, I, I was, I like pulling the stories out of the Bible, and as I'm trying to find a story that will fit this, kind of what we're talking about, about, you know, God taking things and really making them work for our good. Obviously, you think about Joseph, you know, and, 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 you know, his brothers sold him into slavery in the whole nine yards, and, and he comes back, and they're afraid he's going to kill him. He said, no, 
He said, what you meant for evil, my God meant for good. And there's story after story after story in the Bible like that. And I, one of them that really spoke to me as I was preparing this message is Daniel chapter 2. And, and basically the, to set this up, this is the second year of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's reign and, and all this stuff's going on. And he's had this dream and he's brought in all the wise men of whom Daniel is one to interpret this dream. And nobody can interpret this dream. And so the king is getting mad and he's going to kill all of the wise people because evidently they're not that wise. And Daniel just prays. And I love this about Daniel because Daniel wasn't reactionary to what was happening. Daniel was actionary in what he believed. And as Christians, that's how we're supposed to live. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we don't react to what the world throws at us. We just act according to what God is living out through us. And, 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 and I'm reminded of a picture, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with the, the whole incident that happened at Tiananmen Square, you know, over in Asia. And this was many years ago. But there's a, an iconic picture, and I should have put it up tonight, but there's an iconic picture of this man. And these tanks, four tanks lined up, and they're, they're, they're making their way through this, towards this Tiananmen Square. And they're, they're you know, I mean, it's bad news. And this one man just walks and stands in front of the tanks. And he just stands there. The amazing thing about that is that the tanks stopped. And as a Christian, this is how we live our lives. As a Christian, we don't react when the tanks of life come our way. We don't jump out of the way. We say, no, this is the plan that God has for me, and I'm going to stand. And if the world is going to come at me, if the enemy is going to come at me, they're going to have to stop. They're going to have to move to the left or the right. They're going to have to turn around. They're going to have to tuck, tail, and run because this is the plan and the design that God has for me, and this is where I'm going to stand. And so this is Daniel's kind of attitude. So he doesn't get upset. He doesn't run and hide. He doesn't flee. He just talks to God. And this is what he prays in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. His life is being threatened. If my life was being threatened as a good preacher, as a good Christian, I would probably be like, dear God, help. You know? Let's get straight to But no, Daniel's not moved by what's going on around him. Because he understands that blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might. And have now made known to me what we asked for. For you have made known to us the king's matter. He simply praises God. He realizes that in a, in a very spiritual way, and this is going to be a corny analogy, so stick with me. But in a, very, in a very spiritual way, he understands that a life and a faith in God is like the spiritual, like a Swiss army knife. Yeah, I remember growing up, like the big thing was Swiss army knives. 
You know, they're the red knives, and they'd have like a fork and a saw and a toothpick and fishing line and, you know, I mean, like all sorts of stuff. And, and the knives would be this big, but, but they were survival knives. And the reason that they were called survival knives is because if you were out there in the middle of nowhere, they had what you needed to survive. And this is what Daniel understood, and this is how Daniel approached, and this is how we have to uh, approach life, is that we're not reactionary. We don't get caught up in a fit about what we go through because we understand that God has everything that we need. And so if we need wisdom, we just go to God and we're like, God, I need wisdom. You know, if we need help, God, I need help. If we need understanding, God, I need understanding. We don't end up living like the world to to where we go, I don't know what I'm going to do. We go, God's got this. I I mean, God's got this. And this is how Daniel was. You know, even the psalmist, even David, in a psalm that we're all familiar with, Psalms 23, verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And you know, we read that verse, and we read that verse, and we read that verse, you know, he'll maketh me lie down, you know, in green pastures, he'll restore my soul, and, and the ones that a lot of us vengeful people like is he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you know, he'll give me steak and potatoes while all the people who've been mean to me watch on, you know, we like that verse, but we skip right over this one, but understand that it says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so many times we've been taught that, that if you're really living the life you're supposed to be living in God, you won't have to walk through those valleys. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, no, you change course, and because you're living right, you change course, and God takes you on the easy path. No, even though, even though I walk through that valley, I'm not going to fear because I know that my God is with me. See, it it doesn't matter if it's good things or bad things, and it doesn't matter, and this is the part that I love, and, and some of you will feel me on this, it doesn't matter if we do dumb stuff. So many times we discount our life and what God can do in us and through us because of the mistakes that we've made in the past. St. Augustine said, trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. I love that. Trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. So even though I walk through the valley, even though it may be good things or it may be bad things or it may be some of my own dumb, stupid decisions, my God is bigger than my dumb mistakes. And can I tell you that God is bigger than your dumb mistakes tonight? All right? That that would be a good place for somebody to say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, and this is the thing that I think we really have to understand tonight, and this is how this verse plays in, is the fact that, you know, we read this and we talk about this, and, and, and man, it sounds good. You know, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And we're like, yes, but that's, that's, that's hard to understand. But what we, have to under, what we have to do is we have to step back for just a minute. We have to realize that we don't exist outside of God. 
we exist in God. You know, the Bible says that, 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 that he lives in us and we live in him, that we're, you know, we, we step into this presence, we step into this kingdom of heaven, of God, and, and this is how we live our lives, and we see things differently, we act differently, and we respond differently, and I was at a store today, and I was talking to the lady, and, and sometimes this happens, and I don't know if this is just because I'm in the ministry or what, but I was wearing one of our shirts, one of our church shirts, and this lady goes, is that where you go to church? Yeah, I'm the pastor there. Oh, you're a pastor. Yeah. Well, let me tell you all of my crazy end-of-world theology. And so for the next 30 minutes, I'm listening to this lady, you know, and, uh, and it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't that crazy. But, um, but, you know, this is what I told her. I said, look, I said, I'm not a part of this world. I said, this is not my home. You know, and she's saying, well, you know, I heard about, you know, the bombs and that there's these prison camps and all this kind of stuff. And I said, that may be. But that's not, I'm not going to react to that. Because whether I'm here or I'm there, I know who holds my future. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands. You guys remember that song? He's got the whole world. Sing it with me. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In Not like Elvis. He's got the whole world. Okay, no. Um, but, you know, we all, we all sing that song, and, and, and we know that song, but we don't live that way. We live that, 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 that God maybe has us in this bubble, but everything that exists outside this God bubble that we live in is going crazy and, and out of control and, and, and if we just step to the left or to the right and we get out of that bubble just a little bit, that all hell is going to break loose in our lives. But no, he's got the whole world in his hands. So we can stand and we can have confidence when we stand in front of those tanks of all the storms that come into our life and, and rise up to meet us. Because even though we walk through those valleys of the shadow of death, we will not fear because God is with us and he's got the whole world. And it gets hard. It gets hard sometimes to do what we know that we're supposed to do and to live that life and to be those people and, 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 and always, you know, because sometimes we just want to let off a little steam. Anybody? You know? Sometimes you just, you know, you just have it up to here with people and situations and you just want to let them have it and ask for forgiveness later. And there's the saying that it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to for permission. But this is what Paul tells us in Galatians. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We just stay the course. You know, it, it's, it's not a complicated thing. You don't have to have 25 master's degrees and doctorates in theology to understand it. It's like what we talked about last week. We seek God. Jesus said, seek my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We don't go to God so we can get money. We don't go to God so we can get health. We don't go to God so we can get everything answered. We go to God because God is everything. And then when we get that, when we understand that, you know, we, we, we go to God and we understand that and we just start saying, no, God's everything. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to be reactionary to what the world throws at me, to the goods, to the ups, to the downs, to, the, to, to when my life is all over. 
the place because God's got this. But Brian, you don't know what somebody said about you and how they're running their mouth about you. It's all right, God's got it. But, but, but Brian, Brian, you know what, what the doctor said, and you know what the bank account says and all that. I just, I remember. I remember that it was by his stripes that I was healed. God's got this. You know? I mean, we, we don't change. My, my course doesn't change to left to the right. It's not like when it, when it deals re- with relationships. Okay, God, you got this, and you're going to send the perfect person, and, and, and everything's going to be great. But when it comes over to here financially, well, I've, I've got to get like 27 jobs, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and, and everything's got to, and I, it's all back on me. No. God's got it. I was talking to a friend of mine back in Florida, and he's in his 20s, and I love him to death. But the dude wants to be married like no other. I mean, if a girl sneezes in his direction, he's calling me up. Brian, what does this mean? Dude, it means she's got allergies. Let it go. You know? But this is what I told him. I said, I said you need to understand something. I said, God is this incredible artist. And he's got the canvas of your life. And he's trying to paint this beautiful masterpiece for you. But what you do is you try to take it all in your hands, and you're like a little two-year-old who just dips your hands in the paint and just goes and tries to make something. I said, just step back and let God do what God does. Let him make the masterpiece, the beautiful work of art, out of your life. It's, It's not on you. You do not have the whole world in your hands, but he does. And so we don't grow weary of doing good. We don't grow weary in staying the course and just stepping back and saying, man, God's got this. You know, we're building this building down here. And like I said, we wanted, you know, tomorrow to be like our first. And I was pushing Dad like a slave driver, saying, Dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm at home. Well, you're at home. Aren't you working at the building? No, it's 11 o'clock. So? Yeah, you know, and... Just trying to get things done because I'm like, man, I, I want us to be over there and I want God to, you know. So we run into some electrical problems. You know, we run into some inspection problems and different things. So God's got this, you know. I mean, we can get up in a tizzy and up in a fit over it all and say, okay, but God, you don't understand. Yeah, he does. He's got this. But, 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 I, but, but you don't know what I'm facing. No, I don't. But God's got it. You see, because what I understand is if I love God, if I'm called according to his purpose and his design, then it doesn't matter if the good stuff comes my way or if it's bad stuff. It doesn't matter if somebody tries to throw a a wrench in God's plans. It doesn't matter if the devil tries to come against me. God's got it. So I don't have to move course. I don't have to adjust to the left or to the right. I don't have to, to freak out because God's got it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 and 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, if we stop there for just a minute, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't say rejoice when things are going good. Rejoice when you've got that new house or when you've got that promotion. Rejoice when... You know, the doctor gives you a good report. Rejoice when your business is going good. Rejoice when everything is working the way that it's supposed to. No, he says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Be happy. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is what Paul's saying. Look, don't freak out about life. With everything that you need, you just take it to God. With prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving. You know, we go back to Daniel chapter 2. What did, how did Daniel start that? Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. We go to God and just say, God, look, I'm coming to you right now. Because you've got this. I'm just going to glorify you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you the word, all the worth and all the, all the splendor that you deserve because you've got this. And you know, when we say that, when we confess that to God, when we start our prayers, when we start our relationship to God like that, it does something to us. It reminds us. You know, I, I think back to, to David, to King David, when his, when his child died. And, and, and the Bible tells us very specifically that, that David encouraged himself. In the Lord. He, he, he picked himself up by remembering and by reminding himself of who God is and what God is capable of. And it brings this peace back into his life. Abby, you and the band can come back up. And I'm going to read that passage again out of Philippians, but I want to read it out of another translation. Just a different take on it. And it puts it like this, and this is so cool. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises Shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. 
Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that in God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Wow. I mean, this is, this is what Paul is saying. Don't freak out when things get a little upside down because God's got this. Instead of worrying, instead of freaking out, you just talk to God. You remind yourself of who your God is and what your God is capable of and step back and say, God, you got this. Don't move to the left and don't move to the right. Instead of worrying, instead of getting anxious, instead of letting yourself get worked up about what other people think, about what other people are saying, about what other people are doing, you think on good things. Think on things that are true, things that are uplifting. Things that are about God. God's true. God is reputable. God is noble. God is honest. You think on these things. You let your life be shaped by this stuff. Because to come back to our verse for tonight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together. Not some things, not the good things, not the things that, 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 that we have control over. Not the things that, that we can, can put our hands on and say, okay, I'm going to make this work for my good. No, all things work together for good. For those are called according to his purpose. Wow. I mean, it's such a simple concept, but it's so hard to live by. You know, because we're like, Brian, you do not know my life. No, but I know God. You, you get that? I don't have to react to what your life is like because I act according to who my God is. It's simple. So look, good times are coming. And for some of you, bad times are coming. And for others, dumb times are coming but that's okay we just have to step back and take our hands off of it say God you got this and if this is the design and the purpose that you have for my life to be here right here right now then I'm going to stand and I'm not going to be moved because I know that you got this and the rains may come the storms may blow but you got this you know and that's the thing about what David said is yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death shadows hide the light sometimes sometimes it gets dark and sometimes we have to walk through some dark times in life but we don't have to fear any evil because God his rod and his staff comfort us I um my very first youth pastor and my very first time in the ministry I was up in Indiana in a little town called Logansport and we went to I went to the fair with the pastor and his family it was a pastor, the pastor's wife 
They had a little girl at the time that was probably five or six years old. And um, she wanted to ride this ride, okay? This isn't like Frontier City or, you know, Six Flags. You know, county fairs, those rides, they're like held together with like barbed wire and duct tape, you know? I mean, I mean they've got some miles on them. But she wanted to ride this one, and, and this ride is called the Zipper. And I don't know if you've ever ridden the Zipper, but a little five or six-year-old girl should not be riding this ride, but she really wanted to go. And so the pastor didn't want to go, and the pastor's wife didn't want to go. I'm like, I'll take her. So we get on there. And the you know, operator puts it in gear, and the thing just starts moving. And this look of fear, like, just overtakes her, you know. I mean, like, we haven't made a loop. You know, we're, we're probably six feet off the ground. I mean, we're, and she is just, and so we commence in this ride. And I don't know if you've seen the zipper, but, man, you've got a bucket that's spinning this way, and then it's on chains, and it's going around, and you've got this other thing. And, I mean, you're all over the place. And she is screaming and hollering and just freaking out. And this is what I do. I tell her, I say, look at me. Just look at me. And so for the rest of that ride, she had her eyes on me, and I had my eyes on her. And she still got tears streaming down her face. You know? But she trusts me in that moment. That even though the ride is going crazy, she knows that I'm there with her. So we finish the ride, and we get back down, and that's our turn to get off. She's got tears streaming down her face. And that operator opens up the gate, and it's time for us to get out. She looks at me, she goes, can we do it again? Can we do it again? how it is with God sometimes life is going to throw us all over the place but what he says is just this find me keep your eyes on me I've got this and so we may walk through the dark places our life may be upside down and all over the place but we keep our eyes on God you got this God amen amen with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around you know, our verse tonight, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say, and we know that for those who know about God and know about Jesus, that all things work together for good. You know, if we love God, the Bible tells us that we'll obey His commands, we'll follow, we'll do what He says. You know, the very first commandment that we need to follow tonight is to make sure things are right in our relationship with Jesus Christ because the Bible tells us that there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. But there's good news. God loved the world so stinking much that he gave his son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, shall have everlasting life. So you can get into this God thing tonight through Jesus by making things right with the Lord and Savior. For some of you, you'd say, you know what? I've never accepted Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I've, I've never accepted him. I've never made that commitment and had that relation with him. Tonight you can. For others, you'd say, you know, at one point I lived the life that I was supposed to or I had a relationship. But, you know, some churches will call it backsliding. Some churches call it falling away. 
Some churches may say you were never saved. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter what label you put on it. What it comes down to is you know right now that your relationship with Jesus is not what it needs to be. You can make things right tonight. You can walk up and receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ tonight. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, if you would just say, just be honest tonight and say, you know what, Brian, my relationship with Jesus is not what it needs to be. If I was to die tonight, I cannot say that I would wake up in heaven. If that's you, just where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand. Hands are going up all over. There's so many hands. Now what I want you to do is I want you to take the hand of the person on your left and the hand of the person on your right. Everybody holding hands tonight. So if you have to reach over aisles, if you have to reach behind, that's fine. I just want people making contact tonight because one of the great and beautiful things about the church is that we're a community. We are part of the family of God, and so we go through things together. We support one another. And for some of you, you'd say, you know what? I do need to make things right with God tonight, but there's just something about raising my hand. There's just something about doing it that way that, that's just rough. So if you would just say, you know what? I want to make things right with God, and I didn't lift my hand. If you just squeeze the hand of the person to your left, squeeze the hand of the person right, just let somebody know, man, I'm making things right tonight. Okay, now here's the hard part, but here's the beautiful part. If somebody raised your, if somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to raise their hand up with yours tonight. Just hold it up. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. There's hands going up all over the place tonight. And, and the reason we do this is to not try to force you into anything, but it's just to help you understand that where you're at now, we've been there. And we know what it means to make that commitment. We know what it means to give it to God. We want to help you give it to God tonight. So what we're going to do is this. We're not going to take a long time because we do have some baptisms and some celebrating to do. But what we want to do is this. I'm going to count to three here in just a minute. And if you raised your hand, or if somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to bring them up. And when I count to three, I want you to find a place at this altar. I want you to pray. I want you to give it to God tonight. But we're going to make things right. And we're going to get in this mode to where we don't react to what's going on around us, but we act in who we are through Christ and in what He's doing in us and what He's doing through us. So when I count to three, if you raised your hand or if somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to bring them up.